Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. And we're back in the studio. Yeah. Still We've sounds got, like uh, Sunday, 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 which I bought a t-shirt <laughs> that says that I'm going to have to wear in here on podcast days, I think. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, yes, Sunday. Sir. <laughs> WWF. WW, is it F? I don't know. That's World Wildlife Foundation. World I think. Wrestling Federation, WWF. Okay. That was old school. Now it's That's, E, right? You're too young for that. No, but our guest in the studio may not be. Monty may remember the WWF. Monty, are you with us? I do, and I was thinking about Randy Savage. <laughs> Step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was exactly my thoughts. I was thinking about a Slim Jim. Slim Jim. Nice. Or Hulk Hogan. Hulk. <laughs> you got to get your head right, yeah. brother. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, love Money, I told guys. you it was going to be weird. I told you it was going to be weird. <laughs> hey, hey, do you remember that WCW? Because you had the Von Erics and all those guys over there. They, was like the, they were like the secondary wrestling federation. But those guys were all, awesome. The Flying Von Erics. <laughs> yeah, they put that claw on you, and if they ever got the claw, you, you were done for. You were done. Or um, <laughs> what was the guy that uh, that was from the Middle East? Um, uh, um Skandar Akbar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah, that? Yeah. Hacksaw Jim Dugan. I could say her name. These people. I know. Wow. Yeah. We, I didn't yeah. know that's what we were talking about today. <laughs> Andre the Giant. Yeah. Okay. I know that one. Hey, just so you know, they used to have a pair of his boots that they had made for him. A guy down the street here in Milshue, Texas. He had, he got all of Tony Lama's seconds. And he had a pair of boots that I guess they made for Andre, and I don't know if they got screwed up or what, but he had them in his shop. Those things, you could literally get in, in those things. They <laughs> sit on the counter. <laughs> you could look like a baby sitting in a boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, awesome. That's good stuff. Well, Monty, let's talk a little bit about you. Let's introduce you to the audience <laughs> right out of the gate, um, and we can go into your wrestling background if you want. <laughs> no, I'm obviously, I'm joking about that. But, um, Monty, you're you're a real estate broker. You're out in Sudan, Sudan, Texas. And uh, tell us a little bit about um, – I, I know you've done several things, farming, insurance, a lot of stuff, but just tell us a little bit about your background. You know, I, I've really been in this part of the world my entire life. I grew up right here uh, just north of town uh, on a family farm and ranch. Got, got to, went through college, got a degree in animal science. Uh, just trying to find a way to get back home uh, to raise our family. Me and my wife got married uh, the last year I was in college. And I was wanting to come back on the farm, but those times were kind of tough in the early 90s. Uh, our family had expanded their farming operation a little and then we hit some some bad weather years right about the time i was wanting to get out of college so i, I took a different turn i went into the other side of my family's business my mother was uh her family had always been in insurance and farmed as well so i got into crop insurance hmm. 
And I did, I did that for 18 years. I was in the crop insurance business and got inundated with it. Got a real good education in row crop because I actually grew up mostly doing forage. We did a lot of alfalfa and wheat. Uh, but but really learned a lot uh, from the guys about crop insurance. I mean, about, you know, row crop farming. Uh, got to know a lot more about that. And about midway through that, I branched out and got my real estate license. And, you know, I just wanted to do that because I felt like it fit good with, with what I was doing, with the people that I was working with. I always had an interest in trying to do uh, farm and ranch real estate. But, you know, from the get-go, I, 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 would, I sold a lot of houses. It seemed like I was always... Saying every year I was going to try to, you know, increase my mix and do more with the farm and ranch. But it seemed like every year, even when we do more farm and ranch, we'd do a few houses. I had a really good broker that was independent, that was out of Lubbock, uh, brought me on, let me kind of have enough rope to hang myself, but kept me out of trouble. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we uh, we learned a lot. I learned a lot. I, I saw the, the benefits of parallel businesses where you're kind of dealing with the same customers, mm-hmm. but doing two different things. The only challenge I had with it, and it was really a limiting factor for me in real estate, was that there's cycles with crop insurance that are just extremely busy. I would compare it to uh, a tax accounting, something mm-hmm. like that, because you have deadlines where everybody's stuff has to be done on a certain date. And that was really hard to balance that with real estate because, you know, as all of us know that in the real estate business, I mean, you got to always be putting things in the pipeline and working you know, things at different stages. So I would hit these periods of time each year where I would, you know, just step away almost from the real estate for a little bit and, and, you know, kind of have trouble getting it back going in between those times. And finally in 2011, I guess it was, I I decided I was going to really put more effort into the real estate. So I got my broker's license. I had a father-in-law who was actually had been working in real estate for about six or seven years. And persuaded him to come on board with me and he kind of took over and kind of spearheaded our real estate stuff kept it moving when i was busy with the crop insurance and he had been working in commercial real estate for a a local brokerage in lubbock that was fairly big and so that was a really good move for me it it taught me a lesson about you know work the power of working with others to try to accomplish goals because he was able to come in and every day when his feet hit the ground he was thinking about real estate and, you know, I would get busy and he would come in and say, hey, we need to be paying attention to this. And I've got something going with this. And it would pull me away a little bit. But in 2012, I made the decision to sell my insurance agency. I had an opportunity that came up. And so after I did that, I was able to start devoting more time to real estate. Uh, you know, kind of grew over time just with people coming on board, kind of talking to me about wanting to do real estate. I added a few agents. I was real fortunate right off the bat. I had my father-in-law and I had another gentleman that's still with me uh, that came on board that was an ag banker. His name's Clint Jones, and he lived down in the Knox City area, Rolling Plains area, Texas, And but had, had grown up in Sudan. That was my tie to knowing him. He was a family friend. He brought years of ag banking experience to the table. He was an ag banker. Nice. And so so we had a really nice mix because my father-in-law had farmed. He'd run a con- he had sold concrete part, part of the time, and he'd also run an intensive grazing operation when he was farming. He came in and was a commercial realtor for a few years. Uh, Clint came in with all the banking and ranching experience. And then I brought a lot of farm and ag experience to the table, plus having an animal science degree. So, you know, in those early days, we didn't have a lot of real estate experience, but we had a lot of other experience. And that's what we would leverage. 
Yeah. You know, well, I, try I, to leverage that. I think I think that background experience in finance, in insurance, in ag and livestock operations, um, that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. If you're going to serve niche markets out there, it's uh, that that can be the difficult part because you can learn real estate. Yeah. But there's a lot of realtors that are trying to sell real estate that don't have the background or the in-depth knowledge about the product that they're selling. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you can do a better job if you have intimate knowledge about the product you're selling. Yeah. I agree, and I deal with it all the time, you know, with these guys that, that come on board or gals that come on board and, and, and really are way sharper than I was at their age with technology and, and know the rules on real estate. But, you know, there's just no substitute for that real-world experience. And one of the things that we've tried to do with our brokerage is I, I like to try to get, you know, the younger agents, if they come on board with me, I try to get them and, and encourage them just to – follow me around. I know it's not something they always necessarily want to do because they want to make money, but I've, I've always tried to make a point to say, look, you know, you got to pay your tuition, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of people want to shortcut that step. And I don't think you can, I really don't think you can fool people uh, on that part of the business. So. Well, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. You, um, you you can't you, it's hard to what 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 is it everybody says you can't bullshit a bullshitter right yeah. so when you start talking <laughs> yeah. to a farmer and he starts asking you specific questions about a piece of equipment or about planting rotations or you know crop rotations or, or whatever um, he's going to know pretty quick whether you you mm-hmm. have just surface knowledge or if you have in depth knowledge about that. I've joked around with with some of the guys in the in the past, but I've always said there's a good time to know when you need to say something. There's a good time to know when to shut up and listen. Because mm-hmm. yes, you know, sir. I re- I rarely go out on a new listing in ag. I, I don't know that I could tell you maybe one or two times that I haven't learned something new still. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's the part I love about this business. And when I made the jump to go straight to real estate, I, you know, insurance I I, lo- I like doing the crop insurance too, but it it was repetitive. We did a lot of the same things over and over again. With real estate, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about it is every deal's a snowflake. And I don't mean the negative snowflake like everybody uses today, but I just mean <laughs> everything's, you know, I'm not talking about people that can't take things. But, you know, it, every deal's different. So you can't just put them on a bottle. And I think that's one reason why I really, I think in the rural markets and in farm and ranch, that's why I've always gravitated towards that because I think it's going to be harder even moving forward with all the technology and all these different systems in place that people have. I think there's always going to be this challenge in rural real estate that you've got to have good knowledge of what you're doing and you really can't do it just with technology. Now, look, we do lots of things with technology, but you've got to have that human element Mm -hmm. that I think really is cool about rural, rural markets. I couldn't agree more. You need to be a people person too. And, and, uh, if you're not having fun, go find something else to do. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. So you've operated your real estate business for how long? And let's say after you sold your insurance company, how long have you been in real estate? Oh, uh, you know, that was 12. And then, you know, I was, I was working kind of in a scaled back version of what we did. I kept a small office in the actual insurance business that I was in, I leased one room and I, my father-in-law was actually in there for a little bit. And I was, I was working on a couple of other things for a couple of years in addition to the real estate. But, 
after that, I came back. He actually started working. He lived in Lubbock, so he started working from home, and I worked in that office. And we were there for about a year, and then we made the jump, and it was kind of cool because we had we had had a business and in our insurance business, our family-owned business with my granddad. I'd started and been down the street. We'd moved out of that building and built a new building when when we were in the insurance business. Well, after we moved out, and I was working down there, I took the occasion to come back down here and renovate this old building. And so we're back now in the old building that was started in the seventies as an insurance and cotton office where they bought cotton and sold insurance. And and we're back here now and we've grown back in and filled this building up, which is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun doing all that, you know, and, and, you know, we, you know, I remember when I made that jump to try to be a broker and i remember how hard it was to to switch lanes and get people to look at you as a real estate broker and not their insurance agent yeah because i was an insurance agent that sold some real estate but you know i I really remember one day just getting really frustrated i was over eating in a restaurant down the road and me and my wife were in there i've been doing real estate only for about two years and i had somebody come up and was asking me a question about their car insurance because we did car insurance too and they didn't know I had it had stopped and I was like God I'm trying to do so many things to to get my name out there and you know it took a while to set up and establish a new brand for myself mm-hmm. and I and I did that the hard way I, I look now and see what I could have done if I'd have been involved with somebody like United Country at that point and it would have probably it would have probably been a whole lot better and a whole lot easier. I think there's things I learned from it that are great that I, I learned it that way, but uh, it's, it, it, I almost feel like I, accident, I accidentally kind of succeeded at it because <laughs> I didn't really know exactly what I was doing at the time. So. so you operated for a number of years, and then at some point you heard about or were approached by United Country Real Estate. Tell us a little bit about that kind of that initial meeting or attraction or interest uh, in that franchise model and how that developed. Okay. It's actually kind of a funny story. I don't know that I've ever really shared this. Travis Wofford is aware of it, but uh, I've been approached by another real estate uh, franchise. And it, and this wasn't the first time, but this was one time where, you know, we'd been moving along. I'd had some things go on uh, where I'd had some opportunities at some bigger things and I didn't get them. And part of the reason I wasn't getting them was, you know, I just had never, I hadn't done those particular things or I hadn't done something that big before, or I was moving into a market where people doubted whether or not we could establish and, and really do well because it was branching out. Mm-hmm. So, so I had kind of started going down the path of talking to some different brokerage houses. Uh, I had one in particular, another one that, that had this marketing rep. He, he actually came in. We went through kind of the same process you'd go through with United Country, you know, telling us about how they lined up. And we found them really well on their residential as far as they did several. They did a lot of semi-small towns, but they did a lot of big town stuff too. But they just, they just didn't have anything for me over on the farm and ranch side. And they were trying to persuade me to bring our residential in, let me keep doing my farm and ranch the way I was doing it. I got really close to doing that. Uh, I kind of had felt like I could keep my farming ranch brand on my own. But when it got right down to it, I just I remembered some things that I'd been taught by different people in business about trying to, to do two things at once and trying to do it and getting divided loyalties, you know, like being a franchisee over in residential but not being able to have that same partnership in farming ranch. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I passed on that. But the point I was going to make is the guy that, that went to work, that was trying to get me to go to work for this franchise. He ended up picking up and going a few a year or so later to United. 
real oh. estate, real estate company. And so he, I saw that on LinkedIn and I, I had had run-ins before with United Country, not in a good way, but like I've been at some farm shows with some other things I was doing up in Kansas. I've met with a guy, I think his name's Brian Rose one time at yeah. Garden City, Garden City, uh, uh, farm show and talked to him a little because I was in the real estate business. I had a booth across the aisle from us. He talked a lot about United Country, uh, told me some of the stuff they could do. I looked at some of the materials and I, you know, it kind of stuck with me. So when I saw this United, it, it, I, I reached out to this guy and said, Hey, is this United Country? And he, he got back with me real quick and he said, No, it's not. Uh, it's not exactly. He said, It's part of it, but it's a different part of the company. But he said, you really do need to talk to, because he was real familiar with our with our business, and he said you really do need to talk with United Country. And I said, okay, well, good. Well, if you get a chance, put me in contact with them, and that'd be great. And and so he, you know, I, I didn't anticipate that'd happen real quick. Well, that evening I get a call from Travis. <laughs> so, so and uh, Travis starts talking to me, and we start talking about real estate, and then we start talking about farm horses and what and then i don't remember what all we talked about we talked about hunting uh, he was telling me about the partnership with realtree started telling me about uc ranch and what y'all were doing there and you know i just the more he talked the more i was interested so we we kind of moved things along and that's that's how i came in contact with the united country and uh you know i remember he, he, we met and we went to dinner one night and he he told me this and i'm not trying to steal his his saying but in it you know, it stuck with me. He said, look, we've got a ton of tools. And if you're what kind of person that'll pick them up and use them, then, then we're the right company for you. He said, if you're going to throw them in the back of your pickup, then it's about like having a fishing pole that you don't go fishing with. And I, that stuck with me because I was looking for tools. You know, I was out there trying to find ways to do things. And I would pick up technology and try to use it for a little while. And, I, you know, I'd pick a certain type and then it would sell to someone else. And I wouldn't have that tool anymore or you know, I had a million different things I was trying to manage. And so I saw the value of, first off, of a bullseye when I saw it. And I also saw the value of a, of a unified brand because uh, one of the first things that happened is I had I talked to a, another agent, Johnny Horton. Mm. And then Johnny met with me and he started talking about the power of United Country's brand and all the asset, you know, all the things that you get when you become a United Country agent. And you know, he, he really, he had a big role also in, in, in helping bring me along to, to see things. But I, I got to admit, everything those guys told me was right. You know, sometimes you have people tell you things, sell you something, you hear that, and then that's the last you hear of them. Like Travis, for instance, I mean, Travis and I are still real good friends. I mean, once we signed the contracts, it wasn't, okay, see you later, I'm moving to the next one. Mm-hmm. I, I really put a lot of value in how he does business. He's he's, a, he's just an outstanding guy in my books. Money, so, let's... Let's talk. <clears throat> let's talk just a little bit about that that initial attraction. And you mentioned tools, um, technology, but are there specific things that you were looking for um, to in, enhance or to engage in um, or implement into your business? Absolutely. Uh, first thing from the technology side, this seems simple. It, but it really wasn't. It, it was a website because our website was good. We we spent a lot of time. My son, a few years ago, when he was going to college, he was helping me. And we, we found a provider. We got some stuff set up. We had a really functional website. But what was hard is I started trying to want to, to make it look more modern. I wanted to do some things with it. All of those things were, were going to be 
not only things that were kind of cost prohibitive, but they were also things that, you know, once we got it fixed and, and set up, I mean, then we had to manage it, mm-hmm. you know, and then we had to pick people to be our partners on that. And we went, you know, I like going local as possible. I was looking at some local options, but, you know, I've, I'd already, I'd already seen one of the challenges, but instead of me being out selling real estate and, and meeting people and doing what I love, I was, I was becoming a website designer. Yeah. Or I was, you know, I was having to do these things that I didn't mind doing, but I just really wasn't wanting to do them all the time. And, you know, so, so that was one thing y'all, y'all's technology stack. Well, and, and to jump, to jump in there, it's hard to maximize your time. I mean, you don't make your money out here and make a living in the website d- development and, uh, um, and maintenance business. Mm-hmm. You make your you're living out of listing and selling real estate. So every hour you spent on that website's an hour you weren't listing and selling property. Yeah, it's costing me money, you know, and it and costing me the other things more valuable than my money is costing me time, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't make any more of that. And so, exactly. And, and you know, there were some things that we, and I still feel like there were things that were, not to brag at any capacity, but things that I felt like we did really well that I wanted to leverage with technology and kind of accompanying technology, I've gotten really big in flying drones. My uh-huh. daughter graduated. My daughter graduated from Texas Tech with an ag communications degree. She was into video production really big. So, so we wanted to be able to kind of focus on a couple of those things and get really good at them because those actually were helping us get more listed. You know, yeah. the fact that I could fly a drone and not just go hire somebody to do it. I mean, there's multiple times that that's helped me win listings because, you know, I've gone out on two or three different shoots on us on the same project if it rains and the grass grains up and we can go back out and they shoot it or uh you know my daughter can pop that video into the video and we can update the video because we do all that in-house and so we had to be selective in what we spent our time doing that wasn't real estate and i think that's something that i think you know when you've got a company that has a technology stack like united country and it fits what we're doing it just enables you to do the things you're really good at that are out because there are always a few things that each agent I've noticed this real estate people all kind of have their little unique thing that they do that's in addition to being really good at selling real estate and and that's kind of what that enabled us to do a better job of I think Monty this is great content we're going to slip away and hear from the sponsors and we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Mr. Monty Edwards Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. 
Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out auctiontime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at auctiontime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. Auctiontime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Trina and I are in the studio talking with Mr. Monty Edwards. Monty is a professional uh, real estate and, um, you know, houses, a little bit of everything, but I would call Monty a ranch broker, yeah. farm and ranch broker. And um, Monty in, in West Texas, and it, it doesn't get much farther west than, uh, than where you're at. What um, When you bought the franchise, and we talked a little bit about technology, we're were you looking for something else to help enhance your business? Because it sounded like you made the decision that you were ready for your company to take off. You you wanted it to, uh, you were, you know, ready to go to the next level. We've talked a little bit about websites and technology. Is there something else out there that attracted you when you were considering franchising? Yes, there was. And, and honestly, the website was kind of what started me down the road. But the bigger thing that was driving it was, you know, I, we'd had a couple opportunities. I mentioned my father-in-law had, had worked with me. Uh, he had a relationship on a, a particular deal. It was you know, a ranch in East Texas. Uh, would have been a listing of a lifetime. And he had the relationship. We had the door opened to walk through that and I really was not able to get that one pulled off and it was mainly because I'd never done anything like that you know I had done some small stuff and, and you know what I would call decent size but compared to this this is a multi-million dollar listing and and I realized at that time that you know you're going to walk into these situations and you may be able to do it as good as the guy that you're getting compared to but because you haven't or because you haven't done that particular thing, uh, you know, you're going to be at a huge disadvantage. We, we, we actually watched how that all played out and the people that did it did a good job, mm -hmm. but I think there was, I didn't see anything that they did that we could have done. And I really, you know, I'm probably kind of don't just come across from it. I think we might could have even done better. And, uh, you know, so when Travis was showing me the, the deal with United country, one of the things that really caught my attention were the SPGs. I mean, that, that is huge where you've got the ability to have a direct marketing channel over a specific type property that goes out all of the United States. You've got specified websites. You've got specified uh, listing presentation material. You've got specified letters that you can send. And even better than that, if it's something that you really haven't done that much of, you have the opportunity to pick up the phone and call someone somewhere else in another United country office that's designated as a you know, as a uh, product expert, or that's not the correct subject matter expert, mm -hmm. that, that'll that come in and help you. And I mean, you know, the thing that I've noticed is these guys really want to help, you know, because they're they're about making United Country. 
be the dominant force in farm and ranch real estate and rural market real estate. So, you know, that, that was something I was missing. It was something that I was a company. Honestly, I had got exposed to in crop insurance because we would write for these companies that rode all over the country. They would bring us together for, you know, regional meetings. And then occasionally we'd get to go on trips and we'd meet people in other parts of the country. And that was one of the reasons you went because yeah. you'd go and you'd meet somebody that wasn't in your direct uh, backyard that would share things with you and deal, talk shop. And to me, United Country was like that on steroids. The SPGs, though, were, were probably the single biggest thing that really caught my attention. Let's clarify that for the listeners. When we talk about SPGs, special property groups. And those special property groups, the, the um, genius behind that is the verticalization of individual markets, specific markets, and then going very deep into those markets with collateral material, um, proof of performance, you know, boxing, uh, and, and we'll name a few of these uh, because they're, they're very unique, like equine farms, pulling that one out or vineyards and wineries, or beds and bed and breakfasts, um, you know, and there's, I think there's 40 of those within United Country where they verticalize 40 different markets. Then they have product delivery um, of collateral material or marketing material, solicitation materials like introduction letters, postcards, um, presentations, the actual listing presentations are pre-built for each one of those with um, great content and sales metrics and data that shows expertise and depth in commercial property and equine property and bed and breakfasts and so on in all 40 of those. So um, I've never seen anything like that in another franchise organization. And the fact that you're talking about that right now, it makes me personally feel good, you know, being um, and, and Trina in here being part of the leadership team at, at the home office because there's been years uh, and a lot of time and a lot of dedication spent on separating those markets and, and prepping those for offices to go out and use them. Well, I'm here to tell you, as someone who's field tested on my work, uh, when you sit down in front of somebody and, and you are not able, I mean, when you're sitting there and you're not, you know, not able to say, well, I've sold two or $3 million worth of these in the last year or $10 million worth of these, but instead I can, you know, cause you've got to leverage what, what you can leverage. Mm-hmm. And so you sit there and you say, look, we did a, you know, I'm just throwing numbers, but we did a hundred million dollars of this last year. We're the largest seller of equine properties nationwide. Yeah. You know, you learn to, to use your strengths, play to your strengths. Uh, I really don't want to say, weaknesses because it's not necessarily that you have weaknesses it's just you got certain things that you can really bring out and so like if i'm you know we all know this in the farm and ranch business i mean the other side of this business there's some legacy farm and ranch brokerages that are out there that it doesn't matter what i do i'll never be able to say hey my granddad did real estate a hundred years ago and and i've been the fifth generation real estate person because you know but with united century i was able to stand there and say hey we've been in business since 1925 yeah, you know we we our real estate catalog is displayed in the Smithsonian. You know, I mean, there's just all these things that that work hand and fist with those specialty property groups. And then y'all got you know the super specialty property groups. I don't think that's the right term exactly. Y'all call them something else, but like the real tree partnership. You mm-hmm. uh, see, you see ranch. I've already both of those have already gone to be two of the better listings I'll have this year. We've had two big uh, recreational property sales that are going to be two of our largest this year. 
we've we've got an auction that's coming up that that, that we're working on. It's going to be one of the first things like that. I've been a part of a multi-parcel auction that I you know I was able to to come in and meet with a person and realize, hey, you know, this guy's got a need on with something that we haven't actually done in our office, but we as a company are experts at this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, cause that's important to me cause I live here, you know, and that's like every other United country agent that's where they're at. Most of them are going to be there. And so we've got to do a good job. And when we do have that opportunity to do something, it's not just about getting them to sign the listing agreement or sign the auction services agreement. It's about when you get done, having that person look and say, I don't believe I could have done it better with anybody else. Yeah. And that, and that's what I saw with United country that attracted me. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, the other thing they push really hard, I don't know if you were looking for this initially or if hopefully, you know, maybe it came along later, but <clears throat> there's a lot of independent people by nature out there and they don't have a good stable of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, associate auctioneers in their company or, or agents, listing agents in their company. And recruiting is a great way for you to broaden your exposure to put people in, uh, in you know, next-door markets or non-competing markets and empower them with all of these tools that you just talked about. Uh, have you done that? since? And I know that you bought your franchise. It's it's a little over, what was it, April was a year? April's when we signed the papers, I think, and we went live in June. Just, just So we're just over a year. Just over, just over a year old. Have you increased maybe your agent density a little bit? Have you have you added some agents? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because we've actually decreased the number of agents that we have in our office because I had some agents, a few of my agents that were part time real estate people, mm-hmm. and when we got in with United Country, there was a turned up emphasis on training. There was more resource. And I and I pushed hard. I sent all my guys to United Power, which was awesome. You know, I I, I really I had a, I had more residential agents than I do now. But I will tell you that the ones that I had that were were fit for United Country are I haven't ran the numbers on it. I need to look at this, but I know they're they're doing much better than they were before. Uh, I'm also I've also added a couple of agents that come on board because of the SPGs, because of the relationships and the partnerships that we have. And right now, I mean, it's kind of hard because I'm early in on this, but I'm talking to three different people right now that are accomplished business people. Two of them, and another one that's that is already in the real estate business that's considering making a jump because of what we bring to the table. So, so what I saw before is most of the new agents I was adding before were brand new. Nothing against that because I think we can do a good job with that too. But now I'm starting to get guys that are maybe stepping out of another career that have you know that product knowledge we were talking about or that real world mm-hmm. experience, or you know I've got people that are maybe with another brokerage that that we're talking about the ability to grow our market. You know, we're kind of unique where we're at right here because there's not a real big density yet of United country uh, offices. And so, you know, I, I've been leveraging that some telling people, you know, that there's pot potential for growth, even with additional franchises. And, you know, we might do that together. Um, one of the other things that I think, I think we're all dealing with right now, if you're a broker is the cannibalization of the, of the agents. I mean, they're they're eating eating us and they're eating themselves because they're they're being bought. Yeah, you know they're being bought by trying to just you know it's all about commission splits. But I re- I remember talking to I guess it's Melissa Clark, uh, you know out of the 
oh gosh, where's their main office? It's up there in Chama. Uh, but we were we were talking about this. You know, you can split uh, a big piece of pie to a bunch of little pieces and, and have a bigger piece than if you have the whole pie and you don't have but a little bit of pie to start with <laughs> kind yeah. of deal, yeah. if that makes sense. And, and I think the pie gets bigger when you work under something like United Country. And you've got to find the kind of people that want to be part of the team to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, United Country is about riding for the brand. Uh, but that's kind of how our brokerage works. And it and it's it's helping me isolate and find the right the right people, Sean. I don't know if that makes sense. Well but, it makes perfect uh, sense. I asked about agent recruiting early on and, and what I took away from what you said is that conversation's a little bit premature because you were doing a little house cleaning mm -hmm. in the first year. Mm -hmm. You're going through and saying, listen, guys, I've bought into this program. They have a lot more tools and services than, than I as an independent can deliver to you. Here is a, a multi-billion multi dollar company that's going to start exposing you to a lot of resources and tools. I want the ones of you that are going to pick those up and, and, and uh, utilize them that are serious about a career in real estate to stay here. But mm -hmm. it, it does. You, you do sometimes have painful conversations when you go in and you, uh, you have to call out uh, the ones that are just, they're, they're just dabbling. You know, and that's a difficult thing for a broker to do, whether it's personal relationships or this old premise that you need at least visually a lot of agents in your office because I think there's a perception uh, from the public when they look at and say, oh, wow, this is a big company. What they don't realize, two of those 10 people's doing all the work. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the right. other, you know, there's there's seven of those 10 people haven't listed anything in over a year. Yeah. Well, well and, and I don't want to, you know, I that, that what you're saying is right. Uh, I, I didn't really have to to, to, to go and, and get rid of anybody, though. The thing was, you know, it kind of just worked out. It was just people didn't feel like this was a fit because they had different goals. Some of their goals were some of them like to do real estate part-time. Yeah. And they like to list a few listings a year. And so when I started asking a little bit more uh, of them, to be blunt, some of them didn't like the fact we were paying a royalty. And, you know, that was fine because they didn't perceive the value in what we got from a royalty. To me, that royalty is nothing compared to what we get and i don't want y'all to raise our royalty so don't take that wrong but <laughs> <laughs> i don't want but but i guess what du i'm saying duly noted get, but if you get hung up on on that side of it you know you just may not be a match for a franchise model yeah you know because to me the the, the thing is i i proudly have that united country uh deal on the window i love the uc branding i think it's nail i think it's spot on to hit that market i think the the look of that. I remember we were at United Power and Sean, I think you were the one that, that put in that auction, that leather binder with that brand on oh, it. Yeah. You see yeah. those, but that just, that nails it. I mean, that, that is the brand. And for, you know, what that is and what you're trying to get to into that luxury ranch that not just luxury ranch, but ranch. I mean, you know, you're getting into that and you're getting into that, that deal that just says to people, you know, this is high end. And, you know, high-end can mean it's a big production operation that runs through millions of dollars a year. High-end can mean this is a really nice property. But either way, you know, it's kind of it's kind of just the marketing on it was developed. You know, it wasn't just something that somebody drew up on the back of a napkin, yeah. you know. And so you can, and you can see it. I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think that's what enables me to go. Like one of these people I'm talking to right now has got a background and he's managed an office and another line of work. And 
you know, he sees these things. He's worked for companies that have these resources, and he understands they're going to help him win. Yeah. And so that that's how I'm going to get him, if, 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 you know, when it comes through. So uh, to me, it just enables you to, to go after a better fit for your company. Uh, I would tell people, too, don't be scared, though, to, to bring in new agents. Yeah. Because some of the one of the best agents I've got in the office started out with me as a transaction coordinator. She had no aspirations of getting in the real estate business when she started. She said, "I talked her into it." And now she's one of the best agents I've got. And uh, she she so you can't always think that's the only way to get good agents, you know. So and, and she's dug in with the United Country stuff. She totally gets it. She knows how to use it. Uh, she knows how to go out and win listings with it. It's really fun to watch her do it. That's great advice. You're listening to the Sale Ring Podcast, taking real estate and auction to the next level. So, Monty, it's been a good move for you. You're happy with the franchise. Uh, you're growing exponentially. You're doing some great things. Let's talk real quick. Um, let's talk a little bit about this upcoming auction that you've got in West Texas. And... Uh, <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find this, it's on the website at txfarmranchauction.com. I'll say that again. TX, as in Texas, txfarmranchauction.com. Monty, give us a little plug on that auction that's coming up. You know, it's it's probably one of the more exciting properties that I've ever got the opportunity to list. Uh, a, a couple, Kelly and, uh, I'm sorry, Lexi and Kelly Fennell, uh, from Earth, Texas, these these folks have put their heart and soul in this operation for, you know, it's been a culmination of 40 years, as I talked to Lexi, as he talked about it, where they've really built this just unbelievable uh, hybrid grazing, farming, cattle feeding operation that, that really is just, I don't know, I, I think in some ways second to nobody. I, I know there's some other guys out there doing some things that are doing them real well also so not not saying that there's not some different ways to get there but it's just really good a really unique property uh you know as we were looking at it uh you know we started looking at this thing and, and I, we didn't really originally start out talking to him about doing an auction but because of my exposure to what i've, I've been accustomed i mean been privy to at the united country uh with meeting sean talking about that i went i got to go to auction school in january i'm, I'm working on getting my auction license i sat down with them and, and we really realized that, that this was the right way to sell this thing i actually i think sean and i've talked it's probably the only real good way to do it and you know this thing is really neat sean i mean you got to come out and see it i mean did, weren't you impressed oh it's it's wonderful it's it's wonderful yeah, the video on the main page of this website is amazing. It's, it's really cool. I especially like uh, right now there's a bunch of horses on there, and they're going in fast motion. <laughs> fast forward, I like that a yeah. lot. Yeah. Well, well and, and the thing was, I mean, when we got to, to looking at it, I, we just we you talk about that toolbox. Now, we pulled mm -hmm. out the toolbox and started opening the drawers and pulling out everything to try to, to maximize what we could do with this. And, well, I'm really excited about it. I mean, it's coming up on July the 14th. We're going to have a live auction. We're going to be doing that over in, in a, a, a civic center down the, down the road. But we're showing that thing every day. I mean, I was showing it yesterday evening, right up till late in the evening. We've got guys coming from out of state to look at it. Uh, you know, this is a, a unique offering because it could actually be split up to truly be, you know, these different little units that could function by themselves. But there's also this 
you know, this real good synergy that if you put them all together, if somebody does come in and buy this whole property, I mean, it, it's going to catapult whatever they're doing years forward from where they're at in the cattle business because of what's already there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the cost that it takes to build something like this today, uh, you know, I, I don't see a better way to advance or expand than to, to purchase right now versus building. So I, I think it's it's a really cool opportunity. It's got a great homestead, big barn and headquarters, uh, lots of infrastructure tying water together for irrigation. So, you know, big bunks for feeding cattle and grazing and places to pile silage. So, you know, it's got just a little bit of everything on it. And, uh, you know, the guy that Lexi and Kelly, they just have got, you talk about pride of ownership. Well, you can't walk around this place and not see that everything they did out there, they took careful thought and made sure what they were doing was to advance and do better with what they did. And it's not like they, they ran this for a few years after they should have quit or something. These guys, I think, are, are really smart in the fact that they're, they're they're stepping away from this while they've got it, you know, hitting on all eight cylinders. Well, and, that's – You know, I think – Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just – you know, there's a quote. I think I shared it with you. We put it, I think we put it in the bottom of the ride up, but it's out of an old Chris Lee song. It says, when you ride your last one, make sure he's your best one. Jeff Wiley's moving and tip your hat and walk away. And, and I really feel like in a way that, you know, you don't run across people very often that, that when the season changes or something that they make a decision like that. But I, I really do think that that's what's going on right here with these guys. They just, they're having a, a, you know, a time where they're wanting to go a different direction, slow down. And somebody's going to get a huge benefit out of that. <laughs> well, I think this edifies exactly what you've been talking about on this show, Monty. You're a guy that um, has uh, – this is this is your first auction, land auction. Um, he's engaged with his franchise, with United Country Real Estate. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's 3,004 acres, plus or minus, going to be offered in 11 tracks on Thursday, July 14th at 10 a.m. Join us at Bailey County uh, Civic Center, the Bailey County Civic Center. That's in Mule Shoe, Texas. Mule Shoe, Texas, and trust me, you can't miss it. Uh, Mule Shoe's not that big, so look for all of the cars. But this is a large West Texas multi-parcel auction, irrigated cropland, a premier livestock feeding operation. There's homes, there's large buildings, uh, there's uh, infrastructure out there, but you you can't miss on this one. And, Monty, thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Now, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. Have you got a few minutes you can stay with us? Sure, sure. So we have uh, most people uh, that listen to this podcast know that the Oracle uh, here is in the room. Uh, and Trina somehow has uh, just an infinite knowledge uh, about a lot of things, or she's the luckiest person on the planet, one of the two. I like to say I have knowledge about nothing, everything and nothing all at the same time. It's not worth anything, this knowledge I have, but I, it's there. She's, a, you know, that <laughs> reminds me of, did you ever, did you ever see the movie The Big Lebowski? Yeah. <laughs> she, she's a nihilist. She believes in nothing. <laughs> no, what we got, so I got, I got a few questions here and I'd like to ask some questions, Monty, and I'm just going to, I'm going to challenge you to see if you can take the crown away from the queen in here. She, uh. She uh, she's not been very friendly with the guests on this show. I will tell you, she she has about an eighty five percent win factor right now. So, 
Now, I have not seen anything that he's about to bring up. This is all news to me, too, Monty. He never told me this was happening today. She didn't so. know. I had it hid over here yeah. under some papers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I pulled out a few questions. So, Monty, we're going we're gonna to test you here on a few questions. But uh, what these will be is either a percentage or a number. I'm going to read okay. something to you. And I'll even give you maybe a range on some of these. But I want, uh, I want you guys to, uh, to see who can... Um, See if you can stump the stumper in here. She's done really well so far. And wait, are we this is, like are taking, we, this is like taking on Bobby Flay or something. No, this is kind of this is kind of like taking on Bobby Flay, except uh, it's it's a knowledge bowl instead of a salad bowl. Are we playing uh, by okay. prices right rules? The closest to closest, yeah, okay. the closest but gets don't a point. Go over. Yeah. I've already don't go over. No, yeah, you, you know if you dollar, go over, but it's, don't go to. It's, it's whoever whoever gets closest to the number, the percentage. I've already written Trina and Monty up here. I'll put a little check mark. We'll go through some questions and we'll tally it up. And she cannot see these questions over here because um, I poked her in the eye. Yeah. There. I'm still looking at your pretty website anyway. So the average yeah. drunk driver. This is a good one. The average drunk driver drives under the influence more than blank times before being arrested for the first time. Go ahead, Monty. Now, that is going to be between 10 times and 100 times. Between 10 and 100, the average drunk driver drives under the influence how many times before being arrested the first time? This is kind of dirty cool, but I'm going to play the numbers. 50. All right. Okay. M says 50. Between what and 100? You said 50 10, and 100. 10 and 100. 10 and 100. I'm going to say 40. 40. Guess what? Monty is on the board. It's okay. 80 times. 80. 80. 80 times. 80. Wow. Which, yeah. by the way, that's kind of scary, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. is Average drunk driver drives under the influence more than 80 times before being arrested the first time. That I, I think I'm going to call Uber to go home. That scares me. <laughs> Not ought to call it armored car. No. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes number two. Fewer than blank percent of NCAA student athletes go on to the professional level. You already asked this question. I got it right. It's nine percent. All right. On the dot. <laughs> I will tell you, she's overly conf- she's overconfident. And uh, she's right. The, the the gate is open for you right now, Monty. So the fewer. Fewer than blank percent of NCAA student athletes go on to the professional level, and that's between 1 and 10. What is it? I actually think it's – I mean, I thought I'd heard this before somewhere, but she's she's really confident she's right, but I think it's more like 3%. I think, I think you're right, too. I'm thinking the opposite is how many high school kids go on to play NCAA. You, well, we'll oh, give you okay. a chance. That number was the, what I was talking about. You want to change your number? Yeah, I do. I want to say more like – one and a half or two. Two. We'll say two. I'll go one under, Monty. What's your final answer? Two. I just said the two. Yeah. You just saved your bacon. It I is know. T- it is two percent. Okay. Monty said three. Okay. All right. Monty. Sorry, Monty. She, she got me. Okay. She I did. was really I really did think we already had that conversation, but that we was let high her, school versus yeah. We let her back. I'm not in. gonna lie, she she pulled me a little too because I, I was she was so confident with that nine. She did she did that little switch or easy. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, I, I have a kid in NCAA right now. That's the only way I know these numbers. <laughs> you, you guys are neck and neck right now. Let me check okay. those two off. All right, here comes another one. Um, over the past century, Michael has been the most popular male baby name. Blank times. It's between uh, it's between one and a hundred. 
One in I got a question. I got, I got a question on that. When you say past century, are you talking about 1900s or are you talking about 100 years from now? Since the past 100 years. Well, this is this is a 2021 poll, so let's say in the last 100 years, Since counting out. Okay, okay, okay. So Ma- Michael has been the most popular male baby name blank times. Blank years. Is that what the actual? Yeah. Over the past century, Michael has been the most popular male baby name blank times i'm gonna guess that that like is that on, could be a that's on an annual of, that's on an annual okay. basis so it one, out the, 100, out 100 yes. one out of a hundred yes one out of a hundred michael has been the most popular male name blank times which i'm gonna guess that's an annual michael is the most popular name again yeah so. and yeah. before you answer monty let me let you know there, there once were seven Michaels in this building that worked here. So, <laughs> well, I mean, 1980-something has to be yeah. one of those. <laughs> yeah. That could be high, couldn't it? Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, so this is the most picked name in, of any name, correct? Yes. Like yes. yes. The most popular the baby yes. name, yeah. Between, um, between one and a hundred times. I, I'm going to say 21 times. 21? That's a total, total guess. I'm going to go like 54. Oh, she got you on that one, my friend. It's it's 44 times. Listen, wow. okay. 44 times. So I she, think I've said this on the you. show before, but all of my husband's friends are named Michael, and they all go by their last names. I grew up with a whole handful of Mike's, Michael's, things like that, names like that. They all went by their last names. Almost every Mike I know goes by their last name. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I've, I've missed that one pretty bad. Uh, All right, here comes question number four. More than blank million U.S. adults cannot read above the third grade level, and it's between 10 million and 50 million. Between 10 and 50 million. More than blank million U.S. adults cannot read above a third grade level. 48. Treatment says 48 right out. That's confidence again. It's not very confident. I just know it's really high. It's just a quick answer. I gotta win this because I I can't chance it. I'm gonna say 47. Oh, okay. Nope. He so got you, you gave me a margin you. of two. He got I like you. It. He got no, me. It was 46. He, he, did. he did. The answer is 36 million. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> she said the answer is 46. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Monty, here's one up your alley. I got one. So here's a farmer rancher. You may actually know this. <laughs> Farmers and ranchers make up blank percent of America's population. Oh, I should know this. It's, it's a low number. Uh, what's the what's the <sighs> range? Is what's the range? Yeah, you, can you give us the range? I, I know it's going to be it's between be one like and it's one and it's it's between one and twenty percent. Okay. Yeah, it's not going to be that high. It's talking about true farmers. And farmers and ranchers make up less than blank percent of America's population. Three. I'm going to say three percent. Oh. oh, is that what you were going to say? You're okay, fine. I'll do, no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll go four. You go three. That's fine. Well, I was going to go five. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I'll go three. That's, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's What's okay. your answer, Monty? Three percent. What's yours, Trina? Four. It is two percent. Okay. Good job, Monty. <laughs> Monty. Monty is back. Monty is back. Three to two. Trina. What? I'm I just losing. wanted to scream your okay. name because you're you're down I'm on here. Okay, here's here's another one. There are more than blank dogs registered to come to work with Amazon employees at the company's Seattle office. 
It's, okay. it's between 1,000 and 10,000 dogs. And I know that sounds like a lot, but Amazon's got a lot of people. There are more than blank number of dogs registered to come to work with Amazon employees at their Seattle office, at their corporate offices. One to 10,000. You want, you want to go first? You want me to? This is going to be a blind. We yeah. should take. We it's should take. For me too, we should take stage. turns on this. You went first last time, Monty Trina. Let's go first. It's it's between how many? One to ten thousand. One thousand to ten thousand. Yes. Or one one, one thousand. I'm sorry. One thousand to ten thousand. Five thousand. All right. Split the middle. Trina says five thousand. That's a lot of dogs. Can you imagine? I I'm actually going to say it's going to be five thousand and one. I think it's going to be on a high five. It's going to be what? Just said 6, <laughs> I, I'll he said 6,000. He said 5,001. Well, that gives me half the spreads. You get the bottom. Well, not five. But you get, just give me 6,000. Okay. I'm just guessing. You're saying 6,000 even? Mm-hmm. You hit the nail on the head, my friend. It's 6,000 dogs. That's crazy. There are more, there are more than 6,000 dogs. Just that remember, are, if you want to list your property, wouldn't you rather list with somebody that's lucky than good? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just, Monty, just so you know, I am not licensed, so we're not really, yeah, <laughs> we're not in competition that way. <laughs> well, no, I just meant in general, if anybody's listening, you know. Yeah, sure. yes. <laughs> I, found, I found this one. I'm jumping around here just a little bit. I found this one kind of interesting, so... Um, the average American spends just under blank dollars on clothes each year. The average oh American my. spends just under blank dollars on clothes each year. There is it's no range. First, right? It's your turn okay, to go first. Not, the average American. Now, I know there's some people that really skew this number, but uh, I'd say $6,500. Sounds like a lot. And that would be like, that'd be like, about 6,300 more than I do. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, like per person? You don't count hats. You don't count hats. (laughs) The average one American, right? Not not family of Americans. Spends just under blank dollars on clothes each year. Just under, what did you say, 6,500? Yeah, I said 6,500. I'm probably high, but you know what a good pair of shoes called? Yeah, I do. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go seven, 7,000. 7,000? I'm going to go higher. Yeah, it's higher than $6,500. $7,000 on clothes in a year? I mean, maybe. The Good average, pair of shoes. got to have more average, than one pair of boots. The average American yeah. spends just under $1,000 on clothes each year. That's actually very uh, low. Yeah. I know that. Also, we've talked on the show that my husband's a sneakerhead, and I can tell you he spends around seven thousand or more every year on just his shoe collection. So, Trina, we've got three. We've got three more. I'm losing like miserably. What's the score? It it is five to two right now. That's what I thought. Money. That's what we get for calling me a guru. (laughs) Money is stretching that giant brain right now. I like it. Website visits for the top 50 U.S. daily newspapers last an average of blank minutes online. One. I'm going to say one. Trina says one minute. And Monty says. Oh, gosh. I don't think it's very high either. Uh, Website visits for the top 50 U.S. daily newspapers last an average of blank minutes online. I'll say three minutes. Three 
It's probably going to yeah. be two. Monty's got it at 2.5 oh. is the answer. So Monty's going to take You got it on the point five there, Monty. <laughs> we could have tied that up. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Um, go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to uh, – we, we've got uh, we got a couple more here. Only blank percent of shoes sold in the United States are actually made in America. Only blank percent of shoes uh, sold in the United States are actually made in America. And, Monty, it's your that, turn to go first. That's going to be low because uh, we don't make any textiles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Except, for your boot, except for your boot guy out there. Yeah, that's right, except for a few boots. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 3% again. All right. He says 3%. And Trina? I was thinking 5 right off the bat, so I'm going to say that. 5%. The answer is 2%. Okay. so 2%. Great. I'm doing the percentages real well today, guys. I'm just I'm getting lucky because that was a pure guess on that one. Um, I've got uh, – we're going to do one more. I hope it's just some crazy 7,000%, you know. Like we'll make it a, something we'll, astronomically not normal. We'll make None it a large 2%, number. There's no farmers. There's no textiles. We're going to make this one a large number. It's in the billions. Okay. okay. All right. Americans okay. spend more than blank billion dollars on their pets annually. Now, that's oh, obviously yeah. combined, not individually. but More than blank. Yeah. Okay. Combined American consumers yeah it's saying that americans per in america okay. spends more than blank billion dollars on pets annually blank billion who's going first who's who? uh you go first on this one um 17 17 billion yeah money yeah. God, billions a lot of dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but six thousand but six of them take their dog to work at Amazon. So. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say five. Five billion to seventeen. Okay, Trina, congratulations Woo-hoo, on I the got last four question. Right. Yes. it is seventy-two billion dollars. Oh my god, seventy-two billion dollars. You know, I guess we weren't thinking that. I was just thinking about dogs. We should have done. Cats and well, are horses considered pets? Should be. Okay. Yeah. They should be. We love them. I'm. I'm not yeah, saying you can't love a horse. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying are they you a may pet? not. Or are they? I don't know. Well, Monty, thank you so much. Yeah. If anybody wants to visit with you about this auction, uh, I'll read the web address again. It is txfarmranchauction.com. That's txfarmranchauction.com. Mr. Monty Edwards, what's your phone number, Monty, for him to contact you? 806-786-5426. Monty, you've been gracious with your time on the show today, and we appreciate it. Uh, Go out and join Monty and the auction team out there Thursday, July 14th. Again, it's at the Bailey County Civic Center. That's in Mule Shoe, Texas, in West Texas. If you hit New Mexico, turn around and come back a few miles. Yeah, you went too far. You went just a little bit too far. You're on the edge of town. (laughs) 3,004 acres. It's being offered in 11 tracks outside of Lubbock, Texas, in Muleshoe, Texas. Uh, The property's actually in uh, by Earth, Texas, and uh, Earth. It's hilarious. (laughs) It's hilarious. Right on the edge of this farm, right as you're you're coming on the south end of it, there's a big sign right there that says, Welcome to Earth. Yeah, I love is it. Is there a picture of Will Smith with it? <laughs> it should be. Punching <laughs> an alien this, in the face. Just because you can look everything up on YouTube now. 
uh, go back and look up on search for a YouTube video of the Dairy Queen commercial at Earth, Texas, because it's still there. Bob Phillips had a commercial. They did it when I was a kid. Everybody in town showed up. And they said, where's the entire population of Earth? And then there it's the Dairy Queen. And so, That's <laughs> so awesome. it's, still, it, it's still there. You can look it up. So that is hilarious. You can Google it. <laughs> Earth, Texas. By the way, Monty, you were able to um, you were able to take the crown today on yeah. the show. Congratulations, so, you yeah. have it. It's all yours. Huge congratulations. I'm, I'm going to do that. My quote. I'm going to tip my hat and walk away. I'm never going to do it again. So I'll say <laughs> <laughs> I won once. I won once. It's like I can't lose. I know. I can't <laughs> lose. Monty, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Yeah. You bet. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of the uh, Sail Ring. We'll look forward to talking to you next time inside the Sail Ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sail Ring.